Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, my man, what's going on? Another day in paradise, Steve. We, at the time of this recording, um, Theo is back home from school. So he'll have been in school one day out of the last 40. So there's that. And um, yeah, hanging in. So it is, it is, it is, um, it is a time to survive right now. And I say that, (laughs) um, I say that teeing up the topic and, and also recognizing that, um, you know, a good dose of perspective, we have our health, we have our financial security, so things are tough, but it, it could certainly be worse over here. What about you? Oh, man, I love how you threw in today's topic in there. You know, I'm doing pretty good. I would I would say I'm in the middle between, let's say, surviving and thriving. Smack dab in the middle. Sometimes I'm just trying to get through. Other times I feel like I'm making progress. I'm, I'm still far enough out from some big projects where, you know, I'm not um, not fully pressured and, and all that stuff, but uh, a little anxious to start. So I'm right in the middle of surviving and thriving, which is exactly what we're going to talk about today, which is essentially sometimes you want to improve, but other times you just want to get through. Yep. So I'm going to tee up the topic uh, with a little story. And before that, I want to offer an important disclaimer for this entire conversation. Things could always be worse when we talk about surviving. In the case of my family, both my wife and I could be physicians at an emergency department or a COVID unit, also trying to work eight to eight shifts and burnt out. And I know there are listeners that are doing that because I coach them. So things could be worse. Those physicians could themselves have COVID. Things could be worse. We could be in Syria right now instead of in America or for our European listeners in Europe. Things could be worse. So the point isn't to complain. The point is also not to just say, well, things could always be worse, so therefore I should be happy. Things can be both very hard for you personally and acutely at the same time that things could be worse perspective and feeling like things are challenging, it's not either or, it's both and. Anybody that says that they're in the worst situation ever is full of it. Anybody that says, well, things could be worse, so why don't you think positive today to someone that's in the thick of a big challenge is also full of it. So when we talk about surviving, we want to acknowledge that, yeah, perspective is really helpful and it doesn't make what you are going through in any moment feel easier. What feels hard for you is hard for you. So with that disclaimer, I was talking to a client um, last week, uh, a woman that I've worked with for about three years now, a senior partner at a law firm in Canada who does really important constitutional law over there and the equivalent to constitutional law, I guess, and using American terms. And she's coming off of some really good years. She prioritized consistency and focus and has made a ton of progress in the last three years. 
And we were doing, like many do, some reflection on 2021 and looking ahead to 2022. And it occurred to her and to me that, hey, just because it's January doesn't mean we need to look ahead and get into improvement gear. She has three kids, all are home from school because of COVID more than they're in school right now. Um, And it just felt kind of insane to be talking about goals instead of talking about what if we just take the next couple of months to just survive, execute on the bare minimum that you need to execute on. And that made her really uncomfortable because she's a super high performer that wants to constantly be growing and and doing her best. And um, we had a really good coaching session on this notion of how sometimes trying to improve, trying to be your best, the best actually backfires in the long game because there are periods of time when it makes sense just to survive. So in that particular case, where we left off is actually we're going to outline, hey, these are the hours that I can realistically put towards work every day, put towards family every day, put towards um, personal nourishment every day. And it's not what I want it to be. My job is to just show up and try to execute on this reduced scale as best as possible for the next few months and then reevaluate in March, reevaluate in April as hopefully things will settle back into a new normal. And at the very least, her three kids will be at school. So that is the impetus for discussing the topic um, of survival versus thriving today. So, Steve, how do you think about this? Yeah, I, I'm glad you told that story because I, I think a lot of us have kind of um, been stuck on this Survivor Thrive thing because a lot of us, especially listeners to this podcast, are generally what we like to call pushers and performance focused and getting better focused and all that stuff. That's why you're listening to this podcast. So it's it's like in our DNA to have like this searching, seeking, trying to always get better. And I think in a lot of ways that helps us. But then there are moments, like you just outlined, in all of our lives where getting better can actually, or trying to get better can actually get in the way. And I think that's where we look at this survive, is are we treading water putting forth a ton of effort, but not making progress or not getting anywhere or just getting in our own way, well, then it might be better to switch off or switch to that other mentality, which is like, let's just get through this until we're in a better place where we can actually, you know, make progress, all that stuff. One of the ways I like to frame this, and I've used this before, but is we spend so much time trying to raise, you know, the ceiling, trying trying to reach for higher heights and that's good. But the the alternative to that is like having our floor and our hey, this is our bare minimum. And having some standard that even during the toughest of times when we're just going through stuff, we can accomplish or we can have x y and z in our life. And I think sometimes that's where it comes, it, it, like whenever I've gone through periods of this, it comes back to this. If I'm in survival mode, it's, okay, what's the bare minimum? What are the things that I need to do in order to 
you know, survive this next week, month, race, whatever it have you performance and just kind of get through it. And then once I'm on the other side, hopefully reflect and then move back into that kind of thriving performance, get better mindset. So I think there's three really important concrete topics to talk about here. The first is this notion that our mood and level of happiness at any given moment is our reality minus our expectations. And if our expectations are too high against reality, we're going to be upset. So a part of getting into survival mode is lowering your expectations. Hey, I'm not going to read four books a month. I'm only going to read two. Hey, I'm not going to write six chapters of my next book. I'm only going to write one. Hey, I'm not going to um, crush it at work and truly be there for all my um, my employees right now. I'm going to be there 70% of the way because that's the best I can do. So if you have too high of an expectation, you start to feel miserable because you're never meeting it and it backfires because you just burn out more, you feel worse, you perform worse. The second important thing to talk about is something that you alluded to, which is that you don't need to feel good to perform good. We think that it's got to feel like everything is clicking for everything to be clicking. But lots of people have had periods of their life where it feels like they're surviving in the moment, but then they look back on it and they actually did a lot of good stuff then. So I think it's important to separate how you feel versus objective output. And a great way to do that is just to ask yourself, hey, if I was evaluating someone else at this point in time, what what would I think of them? If they had put out this amount of work, given the external circumstances. And then the third big issue I think that comes up with this notion of survive or thrive is around fear and fear of kind of forgetting how to push or getting passed by others or leaving potential out on the table Um, and particularly fear of not being able to get back into it. So if I let myself get into survive mode, am I going to remember what it's like to push and to try to thrive when the time comes? Or will there be such an inertia to it that I won't be able to snap back on? Yeah, I think that's a good framework for looking at these things. Um, And if we dive a little, let's dive a little deeper into each one and maybe give some actionable advice. I think... So tackling number one is where we'll start off. The mood, happiness, reality minus expectations. I think this is so important because we are in charge of setting our expectations, our goals, setting the bar. And I think so often we forget that, right? We think it's almost like forced upon us. And as we talked about a couple episodes ago in the goal setting Uh, or setting goals podcast, there's a lot of variation in here. But when it comes to making sure that our mood and happiness are there, especially when we're going through something difficult, I always go back to, okay, where are my expectations and how do I lower that bar and align them with what I'm capable of right now? Which means you have to have the self-awareness to not have this you know, overly optimistic or I'm supposed to be like super tough and be able to get through anything. So I'm going to keep my expectations at this inordinate level. And 
you know, just power and push through. Like that self-awareness, cultivating it, and this kind of ties into the third one, which is fear, because fear often gets in the way of like having the confidence to lower expectations. Because often we think, hey, if we lower expectations, like I'm getting complacent, you know, I'm giving away that work ethic, that toughness, that grit, that ability to grind or whatever have you that made me reach success. But that's not what it's about. You have to have courage to lower expectations or sometimes courage to shift expectations. And, you know, maybe to to kind of cement this, I was I saw this on Twitter from Sarah Hall who just set the American record in the half marathon. Okay. I had pulled up that tweet to read it as you were talking. So <laughs> this just shows that for all of the bickering Steve and I do, sometimes we do have these beautiful moments that you might even call love. So go ahead, Steve. So Sarah tweeted, and I love this. And Sarah's such a beautiful person. So this makes total sense that she, you know, could come up with something so deep and insightful. It's amazing. But she tweeted two tweets, and they are as follows. For a while before Houston, we actually put the goal of the American record on the back burner. We decided instead the goal wasn't a time, but the feeling. This feeling right here, and she posts a picture. Flying along, stride fluid, flanked by amazing women, loving, finally getting a cold day. Second part of the tweet, sometimes you have to reframe your goal. Because I never want to have a goal that's stealing my peace, ripping me out of the present and keeping me from loving the people in my life. And I think that right there is like, here you have someone who had a breakthrough, set the American record in the half marathon, fastest American ever to run that distance in a um, <laughs> on a certified course. And she has this beautiful framing of, I took away the goal of the American record and focused on the feeling and reframed it because that goal was, to use her, her language, stealing my peace, ripping me out of the present, keeping me from loving the people in my life. And although, you know, you could say, well, Sarah was thriving here, right? But this is a great example of shifting the mindset, shifting the goal, shifting the expectation, taking it away from this this thing that is important, but can also be daunting and dragging you down, and instead reframing it and focusing on what matters, the feeling, the love, all of that good stuff. And by doing that, it like freed her up to perform to her best. So I think it's a, simply an amazing um demonstration of of a lot of uh what we're talking about right here we should get sarah on the podcast soon you got seems it seems like a no-brainer her and ryan have four kids right yeah um adopted came here without knowledge of the language uh they're both like world-class athletes they're um people of faith they're like they're just they're, they're very interesting people and um I think we should talk to Sarah because she seems to be um, she seems to be living this stuff. All right. Make we'll, it happen, we'll, Steve. We'll make it happen. All right. So um, I think that's a really good, nice way to tie a bow on this notion of getting into survive mode simply because it, it changes expectations a little bit. 
gives you a chance to meet those expectations. And as a result, you don't feel worse in an already hard time. The next thing we should talk about, I think, is is how you feel versus how you perform. And um, this came up quite a bit in in the coaching session that I was having with my client. Um, And what we realized is that she had actually been objectively performing really well. It just didn't feel great because the time and space maybe that she is accustomed to having was gone, again, largely because of this game of whack-a-mole that so many parents with kids are playing with school closures. And um, she just couldn't really wrap her head around how actually like she's been doing really well over the last month or two. And there I used a, a coaching technique that I'll sometimes use, which is like put myself in the session. And, you know, I feel very much the same way. Like I've been all over the freaking place, it feels like, really since November. And I feel like I haven't done anything, at least not anything any good. And I I often complain to um, Steve about this or to my wife, Caitlin. They tend to get the brunt of it. My son is still too young, and I don't think that would be good parenting anyways. Um, but what I often get played back to me is like, dude, what are you talking about? Like you've written 19 articles for big publications about your book. You're doing this podcast and we're making it better and it's growing. Um, you're spending four to five hours a day with your son, like one-on-one you're doing great. And intellectually, I believe it, but it just doesn't feel like I'm doing great because of the times that we're in. And in my case, it's a lack of predictability and it's not as much time and space to wander around as I normally have and so on and so forth. And it doesn't really matter because if you feel not great, you feel not great. But that doesn't mean that your performance isn't great. That doesn't mean that you're not showing up. And a quote that I really like um, from um, Stephen Pressfield, in I believe this was from his book, The War of Art, basically says that what separates amateurs from pros is that when amateurs don't feel good, they don't show up. When pros don't feel good, they show up and they do the job. And sometimes they even do it well. And I'm paraphrasing. And this doesn't actually mean, you know, you have to be a professional. Like there's no such thing as a professional parent per se. But the point is that we think that elite performance means you feel good and you perform well. But what elite performance in anything actually means is the ability to show up and do the job even when you don't feel good. Um, So I just think it's so important to unbundle how you feel and how you perform. And the last thing that I'll say here, Steve, before I, I stop is I think that this is where a lot of like wearable optimization, bio-tracking devices um, get in the way and hurt us because they're allegedly measuring like a feeling or how you ought to feel, but that says nothing about performance. Again, peak performance is being able to show up and do the job on a day when you truly don't feel ready. Not every day, that's a bad habit, but occasionally. And I think that we're getting so caught up in how we feel and how we should feel that it gets in the way of our ability just to show up and do what needs to be done and let that be enough sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to go the sporting route because I think this is another helpful framing is so often when it comes to performance, we think we have to enter this stage of like flow, you know, everything's got to be aligned, like we got to feel great to, you know, we got to feel like we're just clicking along on the run or when we sit down and write or whatever have you. 
And it's true, flow is great, or any comparable experience is great, and it helps performance a lot. But those 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 moments are kind of magic and fleeting. And although we can try and do some things to get in there and and be in those moments, those special states more often, they're still very rare. Most of our time is spent like in the middle. But what research in the sporting world shows is, you know what? There's another kind of state, which uh, researchers call the clutch state, which is when things are really freaking difficult and it looks like, oh, it's hard. It shouldn't, we shouldn't be able to do this, et cetera, et cetera. But athletes figure it out. And then the research, it's, it's very clear. It's that it's difficult. It's demanding. But you make a decision to work through that discomfort. You make a decision to deal with the pressure or whatever negative emotions are are coming through. And you still perform well up to the state of like the quote unquote best state there is, the flow state. And although I don't love like dichotomies between flow and clutch and all this stuff, there the reality is there's a myriad of uh, states in between that. But the reason I like that framing is it tells us that even when things are hard and not clicking, we can perform you know, at or near our best. We don't need to feel perfect. We don't need to be in the flow state. It takes a different mindset. It takes some different you know, ways to deal with the thing, you know, just to give an example, actually, uh, some really good research says that when in flow states, athletes often use like distraction as a way to keep in the flow state. Okay. But in clutch, you zone in, you hone in, and you are focused on the thing and not distracted whatsoever. So it's just, again, some mental models that, that are a little bit different. Whether you're a longtime listener of this podcast or today is your first episode and you happen to really be enjoying it, um, we want to make you aware of a really neat opportunity to get all kinds of good extra growth equation bonuses. And that is our Patreon community. You can find it at www.patreon.com slash the growth equation. For as little as $5 a month, you get access to a monthly book club where we read books and bring authors in for live discussions. You get exclusive guides to resilience training and the building blocks of sustainable peak performance, uh, exclusive podcast, video content, and so much more. So please check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash the growth equation. Now, you may be wondering... Why haven't you heard a sponsorship read or an ad read during this podcast? And the reason is that we are committed to being 100% independent member funded. So many of the various services and products that offer sponsorships and actually pay quite well for them in this space tend not to be supported by much evidence. And we don't want to be trying to sell you stuff that we wouldn't use ourselves. Our whole MO is simple, not easy closing the gap between knowing what works and actually doing it. And unfortunately, you can't buy those things. So if you want to support the show and you want to close the knowing doing gap in your own life and stay on the path, head over to Patreon, 
$5 a month, a cup of coffee price, get some really good stuff and help us stay independent. All right, let's get into our third big bucket, which is fear. And this one, this one often holds us back uh, more so than I think the others, especially when you're a pusher, because like we have, we're used to performing, getting better, pushing, getting things done. And when you take us out of that world, it's very uncomfortable. And we have this fear that, oh man, I might forget how to push. I might forget how to get things done. I might get complacent or, you know, other people might catch up to me or pass me by, or I might get left behind. And I think, I think it's first off, it's the the thing to do with fear and all of those fears is to first acknowledge, like, accept that that fear, that feeling is like a real feeling and okay and all that stuff. And then once you kind of accept it instead of fighting it, then to me, it's about breaking it down. Sitting here being like, are these real? Or are these my crazy aunt or uncle on Facebook ranting about, you know, whatever conspiracy is in vogue right now and those fears are misplaced and misjudged and I shouldn't listen to them. And it's really, you know, we we talked about this at the mood, happiness, reality, minus expectations. Again, it's really having the self-awareness and then the reflective piece to see clearly and see reality clearly so that you can know if this fear is worth listening to or if it's just something that you should, again, let pass by. And I think a big part of the reason that we don't go into survive mode is our own insecurity. So I wrote about this in last week's Growth Equation newsletter. Uh, Also, plug, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you ought to be. You can subscribe there at www.thegrowtheq.com. But um, I wrote last week about how I've not yet started writing my next book project. And part of the reason that it was so hard for me to psychologically say, hey, I'm going to continue to work on writing op-eds and stuff around groundedness and and not start the next book because I was really scared that I might forget how to write. I had this plan where I was going to start writing the next book in January. I was ready to go. And even if I don't have to turn in the manuscript for a year, there was a part of me that's like, man, if I don't get back to it, I might forget. I might forget how to write. And then I zoomed out and I realized how silly that is. I'm not going to forget how to write if I start March 1st instead of February 1st or January 1st. And the blank page is always going to be intimidating and hard and scary. And that's just part of being a writer. So for me, it was realizing that, hey, what was actually a part of my trying to um, perhaps do too much at the same time instead of get into this, let's get down to essentials and survive mode was simply insecurity about taking my foot off the gas. Now, if I had a book project that was due in three months, yeah, it'd probably be problematic not to start working on it. But for something that's far off in the future, it's not procrastination to to not start on it if you've got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. It's stupid to try to do everything at once. So I think that it's, it's figuring out, as Steve said, whether it's your crazy aunt or uncle on Facebook yelling at you as the voice in your head, or if it's your own insecurity. 
Yeah, exactly. I think getting clarity on that is like what's vital. And sometimes, you know, what we often do instead of getting clarity on that is like we have this like initial responsiveness to anything fear because it's like or in anything that leads to insecurity because we have this like, oh, what if this is true? Like. And as we've talked about in other places, the more you can create space and distance so that you can evaluate the fear with like a rational and realistic mindset, the better you are. So if you're having those thoughts, again, accept it, understand it, all that, all that is good, and then create some space and some distance. And we've talked a lot about how to do that um, in other podcasts and other writing, but you know, step back, anything that gives you that zoomed out lens so that you can see, hey, is this something worth listening to or is it not? And that'll give you some clarity on um, on how to tackle and navigate some of this uh, this discomfort you're feeling. Good stuff. Um, all right. So we talked about expectations. We talked about the untangling of how you feel and how you're performing. And we talked about fear of not being able to get back into it. Is there anything else that acts as obstacles or barriers to accepting the survival mode that comes to mind for you? No, I mean, I, th- I think those are the main things. So I think the only other things are like tangents off of that, which I think sometimes it, it feels like it ties into fear, which is, it feels like you're quitting or giving up or there's all this societal notions around kind of decreasing effort or shifting effort, um, which is, you know, which is kind of rampant in our, our society. So, again, to me, it's like sitting with those things and seeing if they're real or not. And most of that is not real nonsense. It's just stories in our head that kind of get passed down. Yeah. All right. I think it's worth spending a couple minutes on the other side of the equation, which is thrive. And something that seems like it's happening right now is because so many people are in survival mode, there is almost a stigma against those that are in thrive mode or could be in thrive mode. And if you are a person that is healthy, fully vaccinated, no kids, young. This is a great time to crush it. And you shouldn't feel bad about crushing it. We need you to crush it. Build the next great business, write the next great book, because otherwise we're just going to be stuck in survival mode and negativity. So it's okay to be feeling great right now. And it's okay to have life circumstances that actually make this a perfect time to dig in and to thrive. And just because everyone around you isn't feeling that way doesn't mean that you have to too. Doesn't mean that you should be an asshole about it. You should be compassionate to those of us with kids, with jobs in healthcare, with jobs in education that are older, that are immunosuppressed, on and on and on. But there are at least a couple million people out there that are 22 to 30 and vaccinated and don't have kids. And this is a great time to put your head down and take on a big goal and kind of put blinders on and do something special. And I think that um, you shouldn't feel bad about it. So I, I just think that that's an important point. And even beyond that, the pressure is on. We need you to do it because no pandemic lasts forever. And coming out of this thing, it's going to be great. I want to read new interesting books and academic papers. 
I want to see new cool businesses. Like it can't just all be stagnation. There's got to be some growth, some abundance too. So if you're in a situation to thrive, I'm counting on you. You know, I'm going to use the uh, the distance running cross country analogy. Cross country teams, you got seven people on the team, right? And I always tell people, I'd always tell um, my team, I said, it's really freaking hard to get all seven people on the line running well at the same time on the same day. If we do, we did something right, but we also got very lucky. And the reality is in a race, some of you are going to be thriving and having the best performance of your life. And others of you are going to be just surviving and trying to get through and navigating difficult things. And often what happens in cross country and in life, we have these pecking orders and we see someone else driving and maybe beating us that didn't, they didn't before and all this stuff. And it's easy to get jealous or be like, oh my gosh, they're thriving. I'm just surviving. What's wrong? Well, just like in cross country, a good team realizes that if someone steps up, if someone is thriving while you're surviving, if they pass you in the race, you don't think, oh man, like so-and-so is ahead of me and normally they don't. You think, awesome. So-and-so, Jill, Jane, whoever is stepping up. Like, this is great. They're stepping up when I, I can't. I need to still do my best because they're like coming through for us. And I think that's kind of how you face it, you know, here is that we need people to be thriving, even during the most difficult times, as you uh, outlined there, Brad, or said there, is we need people to be thriving. And if you're not, it's okay. Like, they're the ones who are kind of carrying some of the load maybe right now, but your chance, your race, your opportunity to flip that script and thrive again is going to come as long as you're, you keep in the game. And I think be that's kind. Where- yeah, and, and I just can say, but be kind about it, right? Yeah. Like, you don't have to flaunt it. You don't have to be like, well, why isn't everyone else thriving? Well, because everybody else has kids, you asshole without kids. And yes, we can feel that way sometimes. But the whole point is it shouldn't be like that. The person that's thriving should be very grateful that they are in a situation where they can thrive. And the person that can't thrive, being angry or bitter about the fact that someone can, well, that's a terrible way to live life. Yeah. No, it, it, it's it's very true. Let's be kind. Kindness is key, especially when we all get lost on the internet where kindness does not, does not uh, do well. So let's keep that in mind. And for everybody that listens, we should just do this every episode. But if you are a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or a bus driver or a therapist, and you are not only having to keep it together for yourself and your family and your community, but also for those that you take care of, thank you, because you're doing really hard work. And we just need you to survive. Someone on Twitter the other day, speaking of Twitter, um, a a pediatric urgent care and um, emergency doctor tweeted at me about some expert advice to get through the long winter. She had read something that I wrote in GQ, and I told her, Read the article, but if none of it resonates with you, that's fine too. Do anything you can with the exception of hard drugs. That's my expert opinion. And I think that's where a lot of people are at, particularly people that are getting hit on all cylinders, which is a lot of people. There are lots of people out there that have young kids who are playing whack-a-mole with school, who are physicians, who are working all the time in high-risk situations, 
who also have elder parents that are at higher risk for COVID. And those people we owe a huge um, gratitude towards for just showing up and helping us all survive. So yes, the kids that can thrive, and I say kids, some adults too, the people that can thrive, please crush it. And to the people that are just surviving, please keep surviving because it's, it's how this society is going to stay together over the next few months. I love it. And, you know, uh, Brad and I both have family members who are doctors and nurses and healthcare. My wife's a teacher. Like we get to see this and it is, you know, I think a lot of times we see the rose colored glasses and think, oh, people are thriving. But even in our own lives and our family lives, it's like you're just surviving sometimes. And that's totally okay. That's totally fine. It's like you don't have to keep moving forward if the world is against you. You're just trying to make it through. So we appreciate all you you guys. We appreciate everyone doing work um, during such crazy times. And if you're thriving, great. If you're just surviving, you know, do what you, you have to get through it. Stay in the game long enough and your opportunity to thrive will will come eventually. All right. Seems like a good place to wrap. We appreciate you all. If you want to support us again, head over to Patreon. If you haven't yet, buy our books. What are you waiting for? The Practice of Groundedness, Peak Performance, The Passion Paradox. Steve's got a new book coming out in June. He told me I can't talk about it, so that's all I'm going to say. But it's a perfect time to read the backlist. So get our books. Come back next week. Listen to the show. We appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening to the Growth Equation Podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.